following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 55 of Flash Gord Minute. Eric, how are you doing this fine evening? Brad, I now am of age. Please grant me your permission to become a man by attempting to dive headfirst into the Grand Canyon, spend a year with no protective gear living at Chernobyl, and listening to the entire catalog of Celine Dion. May Arbor guide you. It takes a lot of man for a lot of that stuff. Uh, a lot of man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's Wonderful Minute 55 and returning. Uh, joining us from the land of the rising sun, we have Jack Stovall. <laughs> Jack, how are you? Nichiwa. I'm good. Very good. I'm here talking about Flash Gordon. How could I be better? Yeah, this is as good as it gets. Oh, God, this is as good as it gets, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Jack, you, you mentioned yesterday that you've been in Japan for a while. Uh, how long? Do you, do you have a rough idea how long you've been, uh, been there? Uh, I've been living here for a little over 10 years now. Wow! It's been a while. <laughs> Well, if you don't mind my asking, what what led you to uh, to, to to go there? Um, but just as a kid, I was really into the uh, you know the video games and the the cartoons and all that, and I noticed that a lot of that stuff that I liked was coming out of Japan. So I just started getting more and more interested in it, and then uh, that eventually led me to studying abroad there in college, and then afterwards, I just uh, got a job here and. I've been here pretty much since then, and I enjoy it a lot. Wow, that is dedication. That 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 is getting into the stuff you're into. So uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, it's it's great having you with us. Um, the, the time difference is significant. Uh, as we're recording, it's 9:46 Eastern Standard Time, which is uh, me being outside of. Uh, North, about an hour north of Baltimore, and uh, with uh, Eric in New York City, uh, we're, we're we're both on the East Coast, and it's so New York City, New York City. But uh, and, and so it's ten, almost ten p.m. for us. And what time is it for you right now? It is ten forty-seven a.m. the next day. So coming at you from the future, Ooh, appropriate the future, as a Star Trek. Jack? Yes. <laughs> That's why uh, that's why I love Star Trek so much because it's in the future, like me. We're on minute fifty-five. Uh, Eric, what do we have in minute fifty-five? Before I even get into the minute, Brad, do you realize that with this episode, we are halfway done with this project? Uh, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, this has been uh, an adventure all of its own. Um, we've had so many great guests and uh, so much fun stuff to talk about. So it, it's pretty crazy that we're we're at the halfway point. I'm so glad we're doing this uh, three minutes a week instead of five. Oh, which was our original plan, and holy cow, I'm glad we changed that. Yeah, it would have killed us. <laughs> yeah, it killed me. And uh, we we don't, uh, as our listeners know, we don't do short episodes. We we go. Yeah. Hey, I'm no no no. 
No stranger to that here. We've done a couple of 25-minute long episodes, but usually we're closer to 40. And, uh, God, that would be a lot to ask our listeners to dedicate that long every week. And it sure as heck would kill us on the editing and the recording. A little bit of peek behind the curtain because uh, Eric is a – not only is he a great co-host, but he's a fantastic dad who loves spending time with his family. And uh, so we usually start recording at 9 o'clock at night. Uh, and God, I can't imagine if we were trying to do five episodes at a shot. It oh, would, oh it my would God. Kill us. Who knows how late we would go? Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations on meeting the halfway point. Looks like this thing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You've been picked up by the network. <laughs> I, I know there are some, some minute by minutes. Basically, the thing that they ask you when you decide to do a minute by minute is just once you start, you got to, you got to finish it and not everyone does right yeah and i get it on one hand but and we've certainly had our weeks where we like to uh put our episodes out every tuesday wednesday and thursday uh there's been one or two times where that last episode comes out friday evening but uh we haven't missed one yet uh we haven't had any hiatuses so uh but i get i get how that happens but it looks like we're gonna do this but yeah finishing the movie is one of the articles of the sacred minute by minute texts. <laughs> <sighs> so uh, we're, we're getting the halfway point. Eric, what happens here? Well, we touched on this a bit yesterday. So this ritual is absolutely insane. You either are declared a man or you die. And they call it the test of manhood, which makes me wonder, does literally every single male, when they reach a certain age in Arborea, have to do this because if they do i don't know how their people aren't extinct but on the other hand for the single women that would be a great ratio or yeah, no for like, single men for the remaining men it would be a great ratio yeah the women would have a horrible ratio it's like the uh it's the opposite of china basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this this is insane it's uh it's basically like using russian roulette as a rite of passage it's so yeah nonsensical to me it's just you're either gonna die or you're not and that somehow randomly and that proves you're a man and it's something they could have fixed with just one line of dialogue where they, if they just said that the scorpion critter could sense fear or sense you know or something like that it's like you know the, the scorpion's afraid of the brave or something like that it, it, but instead it really does feel like it's like oh well lucky you're not and you know hey no wonder ming beat these guys yeah i mean they're <laughs> they're they're sending out their own herd basically yeah because <laughs> they're doing, they're doing the, his work for them yeah and we don't know what the odds are in this in this initiation i mean there's there's you know maybe eight nine ten openings in that stump there and obviously you never know where the scorpion's gonna be yeah. so you know you only have to put your arm in one of them but the scorpion has access to more than one of tubes so you know i, I mean I'm assuming the odds are better than 50-50, but, you know, even if it's, like, 20% chance of failing, that, that's those are high. Those are not such great odds. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, and it proves, I mean, aside from just the fact that it proves you have the courage to do the test, but there's no... Proves nothing else. Yeah, you don't have to be strong, you don't have to be smart, you don't have to be clever, you don't have to be... It, it, there's just nothing to it. It's all luck. It's, it's going to Vegas. I was also wondering, is there, like, a... Is there a cert a set amount of time that you have to keep your arm in there? Because you know you could just stick it in, pull it right out real quick. I mean, are they? Yeah. 
Are they timing it or something? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Well, and later we're going to... There will be more people sticking their arms in this thing, and it feels like a a little quicker than the the dummy here did it. Yeah. (laughs) He's really reaching in. He's, like, getting shoulder depth, and it's like, dude, just really just poke your hand in and, you know, out real quick let's not let's not tempt the fates here yeah he's he's going like all in there his face is pressed up against the side of it like he's he's in deep <sighs> this test sucks <laughs> and then uh, we we get another uh and plus you're sticking your arm in right after they do this ceremony and just tick this scorpion off is that what he's doing when he's like pounding the stick in there is that supposed to piss the scorpion off or something yeah make sure the scorpion's awake make sure it's ready to sting absolutely we get another close-up of the scorpion and sort of watching and i watched this section a couple times i think sort of wrong i think they have the same like three seconds of the scorpion with the same sound effects just repeating over and over it's uh did you guys catch that i kind of did yeah they're using the same thing that we get a better shot of his tail though and it is pretty cool and all segmented and insect-like well not insect-like i guess arachnid-like and he makes that nice gross noise again we were talking about yesterday yeah really nice noise and we've talked about how we don't don't always know if this is a, an expensive movie or a cheap movie depending on you know scene by scene the costumes no expense was spared but some of the other stuff is done so cheap but this is something that's done cheap but it still works really well it's kind of cheesy, but it's like really cool too. And just the the sound design and everything in this minute is really neat. Just the it's pretty tense when he's sticking his hand in there because it's just like a you know you get these forest sounds and there's no music and this whole getting to Arborea is kind of like the first time this movie slows down a little bit. You know, like once we get to Ming's courtroom, it's like it's pretty you know it's pretty intense up until this point, and then we get like a kind of it quiets down and we get a second to breathe a little bit i'm sure it's, it's tough to, because this is a movie that's been out for a long time um you know eric and i we've already discussed that we both saw the, the film for the first time when we were really darn young uh jack do you remember roughly when you saw flash gordon the first time yes um, because it was pretty recently um it's always been on my radar because you know i i will I love just, you know, 80s sci-fi, anything. But for some reason, I just never got around to seeing this film. And then, you know, my interest was peaked, of course, when I saw Ted and the whole, uh, you know, Sam Jones coming in. I think a lot of people have a similar story. But basically, the first time I saw this movie was when you guys were looking for guests and I volunteered my services. And then uh, I went and watched the film right after that. And that was a few months ago. Probably wasn't the best night because I... I've been drinking and I was tired and I was kind of nodding off towards the end of it. But uh, it stuck with me because I'm like, this is such a bizarre, gonzo, weird movie. And then I watched it again a few days ago in preparation for this and had a really great time. I can I can just tell if I had seen this movie when I was a kid, I would love this movie. And it would, it would be something like Star Wars where I just watch it over and over. And I, I think now it will probably end up in... The rotation of movies that I watch every couple years because there's uh, just something about this movie that really struck me and it, it is mainly it's all the cool just the production I love all the costumes and all the sets and it's it's such it's so it's such weird goofy sci-fi fun 
It is, and it's sort of a movie that you don't see anymore. And uh, and you called out yesterday how it, it's a great movie because it has cheap, fun, uh, crazy-looking sets. And we're no longer in an era where you see cheap, fun, goofy-looking sets because everything's CGI. Yeah, there's you just there won't be another movie like this again, probably. Yeah, it's um, so that that's sort of what makes it so cool. Where you know, they're walking on real tree houses and they're you know or you know tree villages even yeah you know there's something that you just cannot replace when it's real and you them reacting to the environment as opposed to it's on the camera as opposed to them reacting to a green screen and saying it's like ah, there's stuff behind you yeah like they don't really know what they're looking at it's just kind of a problem in a lot of movies now i think do you when when you first saw it? I mean, when you see this scene, do you know this kid's a goner? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because I have a note here for this minute that this guy's death is as badly telegraphed as Yondu's in Guardians of the Galaxy too. <laughs> it's like, gee, I wonder what's going to happen to this guy. You think he'll survive? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, this character that we've never seen until now, yeah. who's like, I'm about to take the test of manhood. It'll probably be okay. It'll be fine. That Scorpion thing, it's not going to go after, but it, yeah. it's, you know, on one hand, it's like, and of course you wonder, because it's, I've known since I was eight that, that oh, okay, yeah, that kid dies. But I was just wondering, like, was anybody really surprised? Is, is, and could they make this scene work without killing him? And I guess not. I, I guess you need to, nah, like... Yeah, I think it needs to die. Yeah, you need to show, because this is going to be a big point in a few minutes. It's like, no, we really got to show. It's like, not only, you know, not only is it suck to sting and you die, but you don't want to. Well, we'll talk about what happens next in the next minute. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just was curious if 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 there is any surprise or no. This this kid's na- just name should be Dead Meat. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Dead Meat. <laughs> All right, uh, Eric. What else do we have on fifty-five? Uh, well, I do, I do want to call out. Uh, we've been talking about this minute about how much we all love the costumes, but there is one costume in this minute that really sticks out to me as very, very bad. <laughs> the priest, uh, the chest plate he's wearing, it looks like a kid's Halloween plastic costume. I mean, I it was, just looks bad. I was thinking that too. It's kind of goofy. Like all the other tree. The treeple, I like their costumes, but his his just seemed like kind of boilerplate. Ooh, he's yeah. a priest guy. And I'm wondering, it's, do you think that I'm, you know, okay, you know, the cliche they're wearing green because they live in trees, but do you think in the in the Flash Gordon world, are their clothes supposed to be plant based? Like, I was wondering, giant leaves and weaving them into clothing. I was wondering that too because it looks like it's like woven grass almost. It reminds yes. me of like those Chase Lounge chairs. Yes. Yep. I know it's like, is, are, are these actually plant clothes? Are they wearing leaves? I'm not sure if that's what we're supposed to take it as. Yeah, if I'm these actors, I'm complaining to the props department. It's like, come on, everyone else gets to look really, really cool. We're going to have a great shot of Ara in the next minute where she's just in this like bright red, beautiful outfit and like just really pops. And it's like, and here we are looking like Robin Hood's not quite so merry men. It's like, ah. When they have those, the gloves with the huge flared ends on them and like more than anything, their costumes remind me of like villains from 60s Batman. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Like, yeah, some yeah, like 
like the ca- the camp leader, and these are all of his henchmen or something, and that's his <laughs> shtick, is he's like a camp master or something. <laughs> the Boy Scouts. We we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was I was almost gonna say that, but they already kind of had that on the Simpsons, the Scout Masters. Oh God, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to use your nails, boys. The problem is, it, uh, what was it? South Park did actually had a joke about it. There's been so many episodes of The Simpsons. Whatever yeah, joke Simpsons you make, did Simpsons did it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, um, I think this has been addressed before uh, on the show where I uh, grew up a, a huge Simpsons fan, and uh, I was in college during their real peak. That you know, seasons. What was it? What's considered the real peak is like, I guess, seasons three to 11 is when they were at their best. And that's when I'm like, I was in college during that. And it was like, so just watching the episodes and it, it being a little bit, and I just go back to Simpsons all the time. And, uh, it, and because they have such a wide, so many jokes and so many episodes, and it's way too often where I'm having a conversation, especially like with my parents, is like, yeah, da, da, da. it's just like, and they talk about some sort of political or sports thing or whatever, and I was like, you know, it just reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons, and they're like, well, yeah, and I can just see their eyes glaze over. It's like, oh god, That's... not this crap again. Same here, and I have some Simpsons-loving friends, but I also in my line of work, I get to meet people from a lot of other. English-speaking countries like Australia, and uh, one of my friends was just like, "Guys, you need to cool it with the Simpsons references. I do not know what you're talking about. Just stop doing that all the time. It's it's a problem." What did you say? He's like, "Oh, Australians having problems with Simpsons." Is like just like that episode where Bart tipped <laughs> off Australia. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have called him Chase Wars. <laughs> it was uh, it was tempting. In that moment, to go that route, I'm not that much of a jerk. Uh, okay, fantastic. So, uh, uh, other notes, gentlemen? Uh, I want to call out lazy writing example number seven, Brad. The young tree man calls the priest Green Father. Come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. Green Father, give me a break. Come on. Everything's green. It's like in, well, that's like in <laughs> Star Trek. It's like, we're going to space dock. It's like, you know, you're in a spaceship. Just yes. call it the docking station. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't say that in reality. Uh, it's it's like when you're on a when you're on a boat and you go in a dock, you don't call it the sea dock. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they do it on SeaQuest. I never really saw that. Oh God, SeaQuest! <laughs> it's Star Trek, but underwater and boring. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's uh, why I didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, actually, believe it or not, my wife was a big fan of SeaQuest. And it was on Netflix when we first got Netflix. And she's like, all right, let's watch this. It's like, okay. Uh, all right. Watching, it's one of those things, watching one of those shows that you loved as a kid and through those glasses. And it's like, oh, this is so great. It's like, no, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Yeah, it's it does not thing. hold up. Yeah, it's the same thing that you see where I'm excited when I'm watching an old Transformers cartoon. It's like, oh, this is so great. This is so much fun. It's like, no, 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 it's it's... It's pretty bad. No, but but Transformers car- old cartoon is great though. I mean, that's uh, you know that's just that's just a fact. Not not up for debate. Exactly. <laughs> not that long ago, it was early in the morning. I'm getting ready, and my uh, my oldest child uh, Chase comes downstairs, and I'm flipping through the channels trying to find like a cartoon or Blues Clues or whatever for him to watch. And then there was like I forget what channel it was, but it had the uh, old uh, Transform uh, reruns of the old Transformers cartoons. I just stopped. It's like, hey, Chase, go and watch it, and he's like loving it. My wife comes downstairs, like, oh. Another generation going down the tubes, huh? It's like, yeah. 
Ah, all right, so we have some more lazy writing. Yeah, that is pretty bad. Green father. <laughs> now of age, green father. I, I, I think I want to give Jack a, a question, a, a Deep Space Nine slash Flash question of the day. We did one yesterday. I want to throw another one at him here. Uh, Aura has her boy toys, one of which is the Doctor that we saw in an earlier scene. Uh-huh. Do you think Dr. Bashir would go along with being one of Aura's boy toys? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... There's, I, I, I can't think of anything Bashir would rather do. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a horn dog, so and she's a beautiful woman, so yeah, Bashir is all up in that. No, no doubt in my mind. And it would not be a, an equal relationship. It would be him just really chasing after her and doing whatever he could. Yeah, it would be pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, he, he, uh, he likes the ones who play hard to get. Yeah, no, that's that's... Totally Bashir, yeah. Who was your favorite uh, Deep Space Nine character? Oh God, it's it's hard to say because I love all of them so much, but it might be Quark, honestly. Quark was such an interesting character because it was really a great performance. Um, that was obviously going to be he was going to be a nothing character, but he just it was such a great performance and so much fun. And eventually, they just. You know, decided he had to be a main character. You could see them sort of stretching because it, he, he became more than he was supposed to be. And I love, uh, what was it, uh, Armin? Sh- Armin Sh- Shimmerman, yeah. Love that actor. Yeah, he's great. Principal Schneider. Oh, yeah, he was a, he was so good on Buffy the Vampire Slater's Principal Sli- uh, Snyder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, really good actor. Pretty much looks like an alien without the makeup. Yeah, and he, he really made the Ferengi interesting because... They were so stupid on the next generation. Yeah. And, like, he, he's almost single-handedly responsible for making them, well, I mean, the writers as well, but making them actually interesting instead of just being, like, caricatures. Yeah, and it was a, a lot a lot of fun because, and I guess Deep Space Nine, that, that was the first Star Trek, sh- am I remembering this right? That was the first one where, after Ronberry had, passed away uh, he, he basically he gave it the concept his blessing but he was never around to actually see it on yeah so quirk was something very different where and i have affection for all the star trek shows um but it was the first one where you actually had an anti-hero or not a good guy that was such a main part of the cast because yeah he really brings in some shades of gray to the universe what about you eric do you do you have a favorite deep space nine character uh, yeah, I love O'Brien. Oh, yeah, O'Brien, man. What a great guy. I actually saw Call Meany, the actor playing O'Brien, in London uh, in, in a production of a Eugene O'Neill play uh, at the Old Vic Theater. Uh, he was amazing. He was great in it. It was so cool seeing him. Um, it was him, and it was a three-person pl- uh, four-person play. Uh, uh, it was him, uh, a young actor who I didn't recognize, a uh, a female, uh, an actress who I didn't catch, and the lead actor in it was Kevin Spacey. Because at that point, Kevin Spacey was the artistic director of the Old Vic Theater. And I found out years later, um, just recently, when uh, Kevin Spacey got into all the trouble, and which eventually caused his being released from the show uh, House of Cards, that it was a lot of the, his questionable behavior happened during that time period when I saw him in London. It's like. In retrospect, he's like, I'm watching this and enjoying the show. He was actually a terrible human being behind the scenes. Yeah, that's a bummer. 
But it was still cool to see Colmini. Yeah, Colmini is a fantastic actor, and he's a great character in Star Trek, just the real salt of the earth type. Yeah, I just I, it seems like my uh, my favorite Deep Space Nine episodes were the ones that centered around him. There's that one where he's in the mind prison. He thinks yes. he's been in prison for like 40 years. I love that episode. There's the one with Tosk where he becomes friends with that alien being hunted. So it just seemed like the ones that are tended to be my favorite episodes of that show, he was the focal point. Yeah, the, the writers actually had a tradition, which they called the uh, O'Brien Must Suffer episode. And they did, <laughs> they did at least one of those a year. And they ah, decided okay. All right. <laughs> to do that on purpose because they said he's such an everyman that this is the person that the audience will identify with the most. And so it, it means the most when he suffers. And it was O'Brien also was the episode where uh, it turns out it was like his double or something like that. And at the end of the episode, they oh, find yeah. out, right? Yeah, that's O'Brien also, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, that's he was a replicant, basically. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And then yeah, he also, <laughs> this is a weird thing, he actually dies and is replaced by a version of himself from three hours earlier in the that's episode right. Visionary. That's so right. for the entire rest of the show, that's actually O'Brien 2. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lot of tension building. Uh, yeah, we're going to have some very cool stuff. Oh, well, I don't know, cool stuff. The next minute gets even weirder, and I still just really hate this rite of passage. <laughs> so, uh, but th- this has been another great minute. Uh, Jack, we really appreciate you uh, you, you sticking with us. Uh, w- w- again, please share what people can find out about uh, reopening the wormhole. Yeah, it's a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. We do every episode in a random order. So at the end of every episode, we spin the Daba wheel to see what's coming up next, and we have no control over it. And uh, so it's a lot of fun. We get into the weeds, and we're just goofing around for hours. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. And um, I'd also like to say I, uh, I, have, I have another podcast that I'm also working on. Oh. And that is, uh, it's called The Apecast and it is all about Planet of the Apes, which is another franchise that I love very dearly. So we're, yeah, me and my me and my friend Jeff are, who is also in Japan. We just we get together, we watch all the movies, all the TV shows, and we're even talking about comics. And we do bonus episodes once a month about other famous entertainment apes. So we got some King Kong and all that stuff in there. Please tell me there's no like a left no a left turn Clyde moment in uh you're gonna be in your show. A left turn Clyde moment. Uh any which way you can with uh Clint Eastwood where he was uh, he had a a, 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 a a he hung out with a monkey named uh Clyde. Oh right. <laughs> yeah we'll we'll uh we'll probably be getting around to that eventually. <laughs> Oh, okay, and cover the Quantum Leap episode where he leaps into a monkey. Oh, baby, man. There's yeah, a classic I'll, episode for you. I'll do that. Get some, I'm always happy to see some more Scott Bakula. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's wearing a monkey diaper and everything. Classic <laughs> episode. <laughs> so uh, real quick, before, before I uh, kick it over to Eric, uh, finding out about your uh, fan- love of uh, Planet of the Apes, are you familiar with the comedian Dana Gould? Oh, yeah, of course, from The Simpsons and... He's a huge apes man. One of my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts is his show, um, the Dana Gold Hour, and he he's talked several times about how he's just this huge uh, Planet of the Apes fan. And when he was uh, looking for houses in Hollywood, and he found a house that he sort of liked, and then the realtor said, "It's like, oh, you know, uh, this house used to belong to Roddy McDowell." He lost his freaking mind and bought <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, he uh, actually wrote an essay about that in which is in the back of a comic that we recently covered, which is called 
Star Trek Planet of the Apes, the Primate Directive, which is a Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover comic. And there was some Dana Gould essays in there. And he t- he talked about losing his mind over moving into Roddy McDowell's old house. Eric, we're going to get away from the ape talk. And uh, please share with our listeners how they can find out about uh, more Flash Gordon talk. Uh, well, please chat with us on Facebook in our Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. And also chat with us on Twitter. Flash Gordon Pod is our name. And chat with us on email. Flash Gordon Minute at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we always ask for those ratings and reviews, and uh, we love the love we get. Uh, and it's uh, been a f- fantastic week so far. I'm really looking forward to um, the next minute. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stalling right now because I'm trying to get back to my notes. And uh, <laughs> Flash will save everyone. Oh, wait, no, that wasn't the thing. Oh, okay. You know, I'm a little bummed out today, Eric. Because uh, I've, I've been I grew up a lifelong Spider-Man fan, big comic book reader. I haven't been reading comics for a while, and I just have recently got back into Spider-Man for the first time in a long time. I've been reading Spider-Man. Really sad, and it, it, it surprised me how much I'm bummed out. Because they've had Spider-Man dating Mockingbird, who's an, like a little-known character. Uh, she does appear. She did appear on um, Agents of Shield, uh, which I know that you're a fan of, Eric. And they actually had her become a supporting player in The Amazing Spider-Man. And they were dating, and they just broke up. And it bothers me how much it bothers me that they broke up. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, that just that just means you're 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 you know you're one of us. You're you're a fellow geek. That's all it means. It's supposed to bother you know. That means uh, whoever's over there at Marvel now, because I haven't read in a long time either. That means they're doing their job. But if you wish that he was with the Black Cat instead, or Mary Jane, or Gwen Stacy, or Deb Whitman, don't worry about it, because Flash will save every one of us. I did like Deb Whitman. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod, and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.
like a stare of the sea. 